Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. Um, okay, so we're going to do a lot of reading, so um, let's just really go for it. Um, I don't super have a um, title um, for tonight. I never wrote one, but my name's up there, so that's it. There you go. I never wrote one, but we'll get to one maybe at the end. We'll come up with one together <laughs> as a collective. We'll, we'll cast lots for the name of what this is going to go under. Um, amen. All right, so let's go to Exodus um, 17 really quick. We're going to mainly stay in Exodus and some, you know, other numbers and some for Samuel. So if you're in those areas, just get comfortable in those areas. Um, okay, Exodus 17, uh, 14 through 16. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua. Then I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn and the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Um, I wrote some notes that I did not mean to um, mention tonight, but uh, during worship, I just felt the Lord prompt. So I'm just going to have those up so I can somehow circle back to those. Um, Okay, so we're in Exodus 17. Remember remember that text. Now move to Exodus 14. And this is kind of where we're going to sit for the beginning of this. I'm not going to read all of this because I'll lose you guys. Um, but read it. Exodus 14, 13 through 30. This is when the um, Israelites were crossing over the Red Sea. Um, and this was the OG crossover. So we're going to be talking about some crossover. This was the original crossover of the people. And so I felt the Lord wanted me to just rewind a little bit to this, this, this moment where the, uh, the Israelites crossed over from slavery, um, to freedom and, and begin to kind of build that up as we're going into the next two months, um, of our conference. Um, so we see here that they crossed the Red Sea, they crossed through the Red Sea, um, and many of them, but many of them, all of them crossed through the Red Sea, but many of them didn't cross into the Promised Land. Um, and that, that fact's even truer to today. Um, there's a crossover happening all throughout the world. This is not just in our church. Um, it's really happening in the church uh, where people are beginning to have to cross over from faithlessness to faithfulness to making decisions that they've never had to make before, to making stands that they've never had to make before, or making decisions that they've never had to make before because the world is getting a little fed up out there. <laughs> they want people, um, you know, to make a decision and choose 
who they shall serve. And so there is a crossover that's happening even in the church where if you've been serving the Lord for a long time, this is the year of growth. (laughs) This is the year where you're realizing that what you had was not it. And so you're beginning, if you're seeking the Lord, what you're beginning to start to notice is that there's some change happening and it's happening really rapidly and it's happening in your walk and it's happening faster than for you you serving the Lord for five years. This year is a year of change and it's a year of crossover. And so if you're seeking the Lord, I know that you are feeling that. Amen? Amen. If you're feeling that, amen. No? Okay. We need some help. Uh, <laughs> all right. The, the the crossover isn't just a physical crossing, but it's a mentality. It's a mindset. It, it's when you begin to start to just change what you thought to what you're thinking, right, to his thoughts. It, it's really that mindset shift. Um, and only those who are preparing the oil and repenting are ready and prepared for crossover. So I, maybe we can, we, we'll, we'll pitch out one name for tonight, uh, preparing for the crossover. Pitch that, write that down, but the, I'm not settled on it yet, so don't, don't choose it. We'll, we'll, t- we'll make a vote after. Just write it down. <laughs> that's, that's one of the choices. Uh, preparing for the crossover. So we were singing this morning about altar. And I'm going to share some things that I uh, had the opportunity to share when Pastor Des, um, you know, opened up uh, the Meet Me at the Altar service, and, and she let me speak on some things. And so I'm just reminded of those things today, so I just want to um, bring those things up to kind of set a foundation for what we're going to talk about. And in Exodus um, 20, uh, I'll go there because I'm close by, down the street. Uh, Exodus 20, um, 22 through 26, says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you say, you, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven, that you shall make, uh, yet you shall not make anything to be with me, gods of silver, gods of gold, you shall not make for yourself. An altar of earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice it with it sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings your sheep and your oxen in every place where I record my name I will come to you and I will bless you and if you make me an altar of stone you shall not build it on hem stone for if you use your tool you have profaned it nor shall you go upon my steps to my altar that your nakedness may be not exposed on it so this was right after the Lord gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He he began to then give him uh, the um, design for the altar. And it's very important um, is that God was looking for an altar that was untampered with, untouched, raw, from the earth. He didn't want any of our tools or any of um, our supplies to taint the altar it needed to be his and only his and so what has happened uh, when you look at altar altar means a few different things but it means misbet in hebrew which means a place of sacrifice or slaughter um and it's a place of encounter an altar is a place where you encounter the god that you serve big god big g little g 
you decide, right? And the Lord was, the Lord knew this. He knew that the practice at the time was to, um, you know, make silver and gold idols and altars and worship those gods. And he uses little, little G in there. Um, and so he says, well, big G, this is what I need for big G. <laughs> big G, um, you can't touch it. You can't taint it. You can't profane it. You can't add, you can't take away. Um, I want it to be mine and only mine. And so some of the, the problem now, um, in this generation that we're in and this time that we're in is that we've built a lot of altars and encounters with little G's. <laughs> right? We've built a lot of things that we have built up high, and um, we need to knock those things down. <laughs> those things cannot be, we can't encounter God while we are entertaining these demonic altars. Okay, we have to, we have, this is where we're beginning the, pre the preparation, we're cleaning house, we're preparing, and we're cleaning what's going on inside of here, because what's going on inside of here is coming out from here, and if you're crossing over from here, you're also crossing over from here, so I'm not talking about I'm on the altar, hallelujah. I'm not talking about this altar, though, right? I'm not talking about a platform. Um, I'm talking about the altar and the space that you designate inside for the Lord. It's the decisions that you make. It's the it's the the placement that you put the Lord in your life. Um, amen. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I I mentioned that really quick before we go in. Um, okay, so this evening, I want to help you guys prepare for the crossover. We're, we're about to get hit with so many amazing sermons, I can't even wait. I'm so excited about what the crossover is going to mean for us. But if you're not ready, these amazing sermons, these amazing sermons are going to mean absolutely nothing to you because you're going to be too late. <laughs> you're going to be too late, you're going to be out of oil, and you're not going to be ready to even receive what it is. Um, think about like uh, when you go buy gro for the groceries for the fridge, right? Um, you have to clean the fridge out, right? I really hope you don't add good, like, new groceries to old groceries. I, <laughs> I hope there's a, there's a process of like, okay, let's take the old groceries out. Now let's put the new groceries in, like, anything that's moldy and smelly and leftovers from eight days ago. I'm really hoping that you're pulling those out. And so this is just a spiritual cleaning of your fridge. Amen. I don't know if that was a good analogy, but that is, how I'm looking at it. Um, so we're going to clean our fridge tonight, okay? Um, and, and essentially, I'm going to share with you four things that are in your fridge, <laughs> or maybe in your fridge, or maybe not be in your fridge. I don't know. I'll let you decide. <laughs> you and the Holy Spirit will decide if it's in your fridge. Um, and so the four things that I want to share with you that will keep you from crossing over, these are roadblocks. These are things that you have to get rid of, push aside, denounce in order to cross over. Okay, should I give you all four at first? Yeah, okay. I'll give you all four and then I'll I'll, I'll we'll dive in together. Uh, the first one is going to be faithlessness. The second one, idolatry. The third one, pride. And the fourth one, disobedience. Okay? So share it. You guys okay? Nobody walking out? Hallelujah. I was like, I don't know. I'm going to give you all four of them. You guys are going to walk out. The last one, you're going to decide you had to use the bathroom. I'll let, I'll let you know. 
Okay. Huh? Oh, uh, faithlessness. You must scare everybody, <laughs> Faithlessness, idolatry, pride, and disobedience. Okay, so let's talk about faithlessness for a second. Um, we're going to look at Exodus 16, 11 through 26. And I'm going to read it quickly because I'm not sure how much of this you guys know, but I just want to, you know, read through it. Um, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them saying, at twilight you shall eat meat and in the morning you should be filled with bread. <clears throat> and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was that quail came up at evening and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay all over the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the the thing which God has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's needs, one omer per person, according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more and some less. So when they measured it by omars, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little, little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each need. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, <laughs> they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank. Moses was angry with them. This is a common circle. <laughs> Moses is often angry with them. Um, so they gathered it every morning, and every man according to his need, and when the sun became hot, it melted. Um, and then it goes to talk about the sixth day, how the, he wanted them to grab extra for the Sabbath. So, <clears throat> so we learn here in this is a great, <laughs> great um, story of faithlessness um, by the people who had just been um, literally <laughs> set free, <laughs> you know, from slavery. They go in, the Lord provides water, the Lord provides food, and all that the Lord asks is for them to take only what they need for right now. And so the instruction was a very important part of the process of building relationship with God. God would only give them meat and bread, and they would learn from that experience, the knowing and the seeing of the results of receiving God's miraculous provision. The provision would help people recognize that the Lord was their provision. So this story is about meat and bread, um, but your story may not be about meat and bread. <laughs> and so the, the Hebrew literal translation of manna means, what is it? <laughs> what is it? Uh, that's, <laughs> that's the actual translation of manna. Although we know it to be, you know, in, in 1631, it says white coriander seed taste of it was like wafers made with honey. But the Hebrew literal translation of manna is, what is it? Um, and so, Manna can be anything. What is it, right? What, what is it that the Lord is beginning to ask you to trust him with? Because that's what this was about. This was about the Lord desiring a relationship with his people and 
gaining that relationship back and forth. Um, it even talks about, I think uh, somewhere the the mountain of uh, somewhere in here. Hold on, somewhere I'll get I'll, I'll I'll get to it. But it talks about testing and contending and how they were they were testing the Lord and they were contending with the Lord um, for manna. But really, only you can answer what that is. When we get saved, the Lord, when we get saved, we start to begin our relationship with the Lord. He starts to provide, right? I see, I hear a lot of, you know, bitter Christians. Man, he just got saved. He got a car. He got a job. He got all these things. I've been praying for 10 years, you know. And the Lord, the Lord pours out his favor on those beginning his relationship, their relationship with him because he is teaching them something. He is teaching them that where you have looked at previous things to fulfill you, I am showing you that I can fulfill you. I am, I, I am, I am showing you. <laughs> I, I'm pouring out my favor on you to show you that. So this was an important part to gain faith, uh, faithfulness. I think I've taught this in the class when we, when we spoke on faith. Um, I think, I don't think I taught it. I think I only taught it in their class, but, um, I talked about faith and I talked about how faith is a journey with the Lord. And, and it's a, it's a beautiful journey with the Lord because the longer that you're in this journey with the Lord, the more faith you have <laughs> because the more times he shows up and the more times that he shows up, the more you begin to realize, wow, God, you're just, there's nothing you can't do. You know, whereas in, you know, you may be young in the faith, new in the faith, you're like, I don't know, God, this is a big ask. But those who've been, you know, you've, you asked Pastor Maria and Pastor, they've seen some things happen. So, some, I mean, is there anything God can't do, right? Because they've seen it happen. Sister Bloom, the same, I mean, fire on the roof. Is there anything God can't do? You know, like, is there any boundaries? No, there's not. But when you're new in the Lord, you, you might struggle with faithlessness. It might be difficult for you to look at a situation and think that God can overpass that. And so that's your manna. <laughs> that's your manna. That's what the Lord is saying. I need you to trust me with this. And it may seem, you know, simple, but it's, it's your provision. It's what you go to when you have an itch. It's what you go to or what you go back to when you need something to to show up, something to happen, right? Um, I can go so many different places with that, but I think you got it. Um, <clears throat> I don't know why I did that into the microphone. <laughs> okay. The, <laughs> the Lord is looking for people in the crossover who will rise out of doubt and into faith, trusting him for anything and any and everything, no matter what it is. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Circled that one. Okay, let's talk about faithlessness's second cousin, uh, idolatry. <laughs> we can go to Exodus 32. And I'll just slightly paraphrase. But... So we see here where Moses goes down to the people in Exodus 19. He delivers the Ten Commandments, and then he goes back up to meet with the Lord. At their command, by the way, they say, hold on, let me, let me, I don't want to, I don't want to gossip about them. Hold on. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. So Moses went down to the people and he spoke to them. He gave them all of the words. And the people said, oh, this is in um, 2018. Now the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sounds of the trumpet, the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will hear. But let us let not God speak with us lest we die. <laughs> so they sent him back up to the mountain. And 13 chapters later, <laughs> here we are, okay? Um, the people asked him to hear from the Lord. And apparently... Moses was taking too long, okay? Um, so somewhere in those 12 chapters, the people had a really bright, dumb idea. And they decided to complain to Aaron to make them a golden calf, okay? So Aaron, wonderful leader, wonderful high priest he is, he says, sure, I'll make you a golden calf. Give me your earrings and all the gold that you have. He melted it down, and he made a calf. Okay, you guys seeing the, seeing the problem here? <clears throat> so what they did here was so significant. And I always wondered growing up, why would they make a calf? Like, I thought it was the weirdest thing until I started to begin to study paganism. And then I understood why they created a calf, because the calf was a representation of the Egyptian bull god. So essentially, freed slaves went back to slave behavior. <laughs> I got to say it again. You guys on Facebook or what? You guys paying attention? Freed slaves went back to slave behavior because they went back to what was comfortable. They went back to what they knew. Instead of trusting the Lord who just gave them meat, gave them bread, brought, you know, water and freedom and opened the Red Sea for them, they went back to a powerless God because of what, it is what they were used to. Now, let's, let's make it personal tonight, okay, because we're, we're personal. Um, what do you run back to when things aren't looking the way you thought that they would? What is your calf? Okay. Ooh, I'm nervous. You're making me nervous. Woo, it's quiet. Um, are you guys taking a minute to think about that? I'm going to have you guys just... I'm going to take some pauses so that you guys can answer some things. Because I'd hate for the Lord to, to give me these points and for us to walk past them very quickly. Or to think that these are not us. Because I think idolatry seems to be kind of a taboo subject sometimes. We say, well, I'm not a murderer. I'm not a thief. We go through the commandments and idols. I put nothing before God. But if the Lord really judged your life... What would be before him? And that's the truth. Um, so just take a minute to think. Do you, do you spend time with the Lord every day? I'm talking about encountering the Lord every day. Do you spend time with him every day? Uninterrupted, praying, reading, conversating with the Lord. If you do, 
great. <laughs> Gold star. Um, but if you don't, really think, what, what keeps you from that? I'll give you a minute. We got, all, we got an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you a minute to think about that. What keeps you from encountering the Lord on your day-to-day? Does everybody have something? If, you're, if it's a no, can I move on? Okay. Consider that that very thing that you're thinking about is your idol. Oh, I'm not even going to talk about that one. Okay, skipping that next point. So we went to the marriage conference. You know, I just asked you guys a lot of personal questions. You're not going to answer them, but I'll answer mine in front of you guys. So uh, we went to the marriage conference, and it was it was a great conference, and that's probably my son back there. <laughs> that's probably my son destroying something back there. Um, but we went, and the first night day, first day night, I don't remember, um, yeah, the first day night, night day, you get it, um, I thought that I was going there to work on my marriage, um, and it turns out the Lord had plans for me to work on my marriage, but he also had plans for me to work on our marriage, <laughs> amen, so um, by our I meant God, right? Okay, just so everybody, everybody who's listening is clear. Uh, me and God. Um, our marriage. And so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to let you in my brain for a second. And this is just me, guys. This is just me. I'm a person in your church who you hopefully love slash like. <laughs> okay. So I go and they're worshiping. It's great. And I start to worship, and I'm like, you know, Lord, this is it. I have no baby, which is very sad, but I have no baby. My husband's somewhere worshiping you, and now this is time for just me and you. And I begin to, the worship's going, it's, it's great, it's amazing. And this is my conversation with the Lord. Um, I tell him, Lord, I'm worshiping you right now but I'm really sad. And he says, why? Say, say, I'm sad because, you know, Noah's at home, and I miss him. The Lord's like, okay. Okay. Why are you sad? <laughs> I said, well, Lord, and I kid you not, this is my conversation, but I can't make this up. Lord, he's my comfort. I don't know what to do with my hands when he's not in my arms. I don't know what to do with uninterrupted you time. <laughs> he, he is my, my, my shelter. I kind of hide behind him. I, when, 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 you know, me and my husband are fighting and we're not doing well, I cling to him. And I just felt like a little silence. 
And then I felt sadness, but a different type of sadness. And I felt, why do I cry every time I'm up here? This is terrible. (laughs) But I'm being honest. I'm being real with you guys. And I heard the Lord tell me, I'm supposed to be your comfort. I'm supposed to be your shelter. I'm supposed to be your provision. I'm supposed to be yours. And it's a weird feeling to be a mom when you love your your baby so much and and the Lord tells you, Mm-mm. He's your gift, but I'm your I'm the gift. <laughs> I, I'm, I, or you know what I mean. <laughs> he, he's, he's a gift I gave you, but I'm, I'm the gift. And so I'm having this moment with the Lord where He's like, you know, we can't even work on your marriage until we work on ours. And I was like, okay, Lord. <laughs> so I go to dinner, and Pastor, and, and, you know, Pastor Breer asking me, how did you guys think? And I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> I was dealing with this one right here. I, I couldn't, I didn't even answer because I was like, I don't really even know how to process this conversation with the Lord. Because he just told me that I have built an altar of idolatry. And so I spent the whole night repenting. And once I repented, I felt a little better. I felt a lot better. But I want, I'm sharing this because I want you, I think we think idols are just things that we put. They can be really good things too. They can be really great things. They can be the most beautiful giftings in the world. Um, but they can't go before the Lord. They can't go before the Lord. So I know maybe sometimes you're thinking, you know, well, maybe, maybe you were thinking, what keeps me from the Lord? Uh, you know, my job, my kids, my, my this, my that. I have these responsibilities. All idols. <laughs> they're good. <laughs> they're good things. They're great things. But if they're in the way and you're not making space and time and your schedule becomes an idol, your duties and your tasks become an idol, then that's where we need to be careful because the Lord is, is crossing us over to a promised land, to a promised people, and we can't bring any altars of idols with us. It will keep us out. And so I'm thankful that the Lord, you know, dealt with me in our, our marriage, you know. Um, but I hope I hope that blesses you. Or not, talk about it later. <laughs> but it was good. But the Lord wants to be those things. He wants to be all of those things. And it's not anything that your husband or your wife can fulfill, your friends can fulfill. He wants to be all, all of those things. He wants to be your refreshing, your renewing, your comfort, your provision, your, your everything. And we can't replace it. We can't replace anything with him. Amen? Okay. Hold on. No, no, moving on. Pride. I'm going to jam through the rest of them. You guys are going to see that all four of these are actually, all four of these stories are related to all of these. So you're getting, you can relate every single one of them. So Exodus 17, we see that that Moses um, was getting water from the rock, and the Lord instructed him to strike the rock. And we see that here. 
And then we see in Numbers 20, 7 through 13, that the people were asking for water again, and Moses spoke, uh, was told to speak to the rock, and he hit the rock. And I think for a long time, I kind of thought, well, it was just maybe, was it his anger? Was it his, you know, what, what was it that kept him from the promised land, from crossing over? And then I did a nice little study on it. And so let's, let's, let's read it really quick. 7 through 13. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. So pay attention to that one. Pay attention to his response. When he says, here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Hold on. You guys are processing with me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so here, the, 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 the sin that Moses made was not being angry. It was not anything that I thought it was. The sin that he made was that he shared credit with the Lord. Because in his original response in Exodus, he began to tell the Lord, what do I do with these people? I need you. He cried out desperately. And then in Numbers, he just gathered them together and he made a big mistake because he said, must we bring water out of this rock? And then he did something that the Lord never told him to do. And how good the Lord is. Have you ever done something just silly and you put the Lord's name on it and he came through and you're like, oh, I know that wasn't, I know that was the Lord, but I wasn't right. Anybody? Just me. <laughs> just me. Hallelujah. Uh, it's confession night. <laughs> confession night. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> confession Wednesday. <laughs> Don't miss out. <laughs> yeah, right? So the water came out abundantly despite him sharing credit with the Lord. And he could not go in anymore because the Lord doesn't share his credit. He doesn't share his name and he doesn't share his place on the altar with anyone else. Moses got a little pep in his step, okay? He thought he, him and the Lord were in doing this for 40 years, okay? Him and the Lord weren't doing this. The Lord was doing this. But he got a little prideful, and he was disqualified from making it in. 
So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a minute to talk to all the people who've been saved for a little bit, okay? People who prayed for people and they fell out or they got healed or they got saved. People with a little bit of spirit, you know what I mean? Bless you. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not you. It's not you. Don't, don't, worship team, don't get off the platform and ever think, wow, I did really good. Look at that. Everybody's at the altar because of my beautiful voice. I did so well. Oh, my gosh. You were laughing, but I was on the worship team for 15 years. Come on. Come on now. Right? Don't ever think, don't ever think, man, that your value and your worth, preacher, is how many people get saved that night. How many people are at the altar? Because it's not about it. And it's very easy. It's very easy to get there. It's very easy to, get to, to, to begin to start thinking, look what me and the Lord did. <laughs> look what we did. Even in service ministries. Even in service ministries. I remember one time, you know, somebody was like, wow, you know, the, the bathrooms are so clean. The ushers are so great. And I was like, I know. Thank you. You know, you can start to think, wow, the cafe is so amazing. And even in service ministries, you can begin to get haughty. And so you need to be careful. Be mindful. These are things to prepare your heart with. Lord, if there's anything in my heart that is eh, my way instead of Yahweh. <laughs> I was thinking of that the other day. I thought <laughs> that made me laugh so much. <laughs> It made me laugh so much because I was thinking in my head, like, Yahweh, your way. And I was like, man, if the Lord wanted things our way, he would name himself my way, but he named himself Yahweh without getting into, like, the actual. Yeah, that's a good, thank you. I know it's good. It is, yeah. So it, it's not it's not my way. It's Yahweh, okay? <laughs> there you go, right? So just remember that. Okay, all right. I'm moving on to the, to the last one, to disobedience. I only lost Pastor Maria. That's good. Okay. <laughs> she, she left. She got out before the last point. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, let's go to 1 Samuel 15, 1 through 9. Uh, <laughs> oh, she's back. Oh, she made it in time. All right, guys. We're going down the escalator. <clears throat> All right. 1 Samuel 15, 1 through 9. This, this is so good. Okay, so Saul spares King Agag. So Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to, the, to Israel, how he ambushed him from all the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers 
and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to the children of Israel when they came up to Egypt. So Kenites, depart from among the Amalekites. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took King Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatling, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. And we were unwilling and were unwilling to, to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. So here we see, give you a little small, small history uh, of the Amicalites. Okay. The Amicalites are of the descendants of Esau. Okay. Uh, give it a quick, so, you know, Esau, Jacob, Jacob stole Esau's birthright. Okay. This is his lineage are the Amicalites. And essentially, if you begin to study them, I mean, the easiest word is antichrist. Everything evil, everything against the Lord, against his will. And so, um, this was a generation, a lineage, and a people that the Lord needed to destroy. Why? Because he had promised them that he would destroy them, right? If you go back to Exodus, he, and they get in their first fight, Joshua fights the Amicalites, right? The Amicalites are the first, um, the first people to attack the Jews. They're, they're the first Germans, okay? <laughs> they were the first ones to attack the Jews. And Joshua, good old Joshua, kicked their butt, okay? Uh, they were destroyed, okay? Um, not all of them, because Joshua made a big mistake. I guess you could go back there. But Joshua killed the strongest and let the weak live. Big mistake. He'll pay for that later. <laughs> it'll, it'll circle back. But Joshua didn't disobey the Lord because he didn't get a command to do that. He did what he thought was right. He killed the strong, left the weak to go back. But what he left was a generation of evil to continue, right? So now we're dealing with this chapters later in 1 Samuel. And Samuel tells Saul to kill that the Lord had said to kill and leave nothing left behind. What did he do? He disobeyed. <laughs> he was disobedient because he thought what was left was good. You guys get in the circle here? Okay. Some things that we're thinking that were good and the Lord's actually telling us that they're not good or, or they're good to our eyes, but they're not God. Okay. So we, we, we got to, in, in preparation for the crossover, we have to really analyze and put on our our specs, the Lord specs, to see what is actually God. Not that, not just that it's actually good. Because what's good is God, but not everything that's God is good. Does that make sense? No. Hold on, backwards. You know what I mean, right? <laughs> you get it. Somebody, somebody gets it back there, right? So what happens is Saul destroyed everything but what he thought was good. And he kept the king for pride. <laughs> he kept the king for ransom. Well, the problem that he had with that was that that king was supposed to die. But that king did not die, did not die at that moment. Samuel came in. 
He, you can, you can re- continue to read this in 15. Samuel came in and, and you hear the Lord say, I have rejected you now as king. You were, you were appointed as king. I anointed you as king. And now, now as quickly as I anoint you, I reject you. You have been disqualified for kingship. And that's why we see in 16, he anoints David to be king right after. David's not even, David is not even ready to be king. He's a, he's a kid. And he gets anointed because of Saul, because Saul was disqualified. The Lord prepared somebody else. You get what I mean? Don't find yourself in a place where you don't obey and the Lord prepares someone else for what you were supposed to do. Right? Amen. I'm getting kicked out of the church today. (laughs) Okay. So Samuel goes and he kills King Agag. But there's a problem with that. Because King Agag, busy little man, he had a baby. (laughs) He knocked somebody up before he died. So the generation of Amalek Amalek continued. And although the Amalek people are no longer here, the Amalek spirit still lives within. (laughs) That Amalek spirit still lives within. I can give you a couple examples of that, but you'll see that um, when we begin to talk about Joshua, when the preachers begin to preach about Joshua, they are encompassed with the Amalek people again because the Amalek people came and in manipulation and confusion, which I guess add that in like six things, you know, six more things, is manipulation and confusion. You, re- you read when Aaron died that the encampment was opened. And of course, you guys, you guys, gotta, you guys really should read. We got two months. You, really, you, should keep, you should keep reading. Catch up with the, the, the preachers who are working on your meal. You know, so start, start reading. But the, the camp was exposed. And it says that they went to war with the Canaanites, but they actually didn't go to war with the Canaanites. They went to war with the king of uh, Arad, which, which was actually the king of the Amicalites. And so what the Amicalites did was very tricky and very, very smart to be the art of war. The Amicalites pretended to be the Canaanites. And so when the people of Israel thought that they they were going to war with the Canaanites, they thought, well, they're going to pray against the Canaanites. So if we disguise ourselves as the Canaanites, then they're not praying against the Amicalites. We're deceived because of disobedience. We're not listening. We're, We're not having our ears open to what's going on. And so I don't know how that fits in, to be honest with you. I don't know where I'm at. Um, (laughs) Guess it all doesn't matter. But that's a full circle moment of the things that will disqualify you from the crossover. Is the idolatry, the pride, the faithlessness, the disobedience. All of those things are going to cause confusion and manipulation, and you're not going to be able to see the enemy when he's right in front of you. And we have to be a people in the crossover with our eyes open. We don't want to be, you know, the one on the watchtower not watching, (laughs) not knowing what's happening, not knowing what's going on. And so this is a period of time that I feel that the Lord is, I I felt when the Lord was speaking to me about idolatry, in in that moment, I think the Lord told me, this is the first of many. I'm going to repent some more times. 
and we should be. These should be the next two months of repentance, of getting things right to prepare for the crossover, to prepare what's going to happen, because not everybody who went through the Red Sea is going into the promised land. And I don't want to find myself without oil. I want to have the oil of repentance flowing through my life so I'm not disqualified from what the Lord has for me. And I, because you're here on a Wednesday, I'm assuming you don't want to be either. <laughs> I'm assuming that you, you're plugging in to get recharged, to get refilled with your oil, and that you don't want to be disqualified. I'm assuming you're serious about the Lord. I think so, right? And that you want to have that. So consider these things. I know I kind of you know, projecting through, through quite a bit at you tonight. But these are things to think of. Take what you need, leave what you don't. But if it, if it fits for you and, the, and you feel the Lord is, is pressing on your heart one of these specific things, then let this be one of many. One of many times that you encounter the Lord. One of many times that you repent to the Lord. One of many times that you get that right with God. Because I don't want to find myself miss, missing out on what's to come. And, and I just believe, as I, I'm, I'm, I'm done now, but um, as I believe what the Lord was telling me in this crossover is that many of us are going to walk through doors we've never walked through before. We're going to do things we've never done before. It's not going to look the same. You know, uh, the Holy, these four walls can't hold what the Holy Spirit's going to do and how he's going to pour out. I imagine just lights out, walls down, fire, fog, thunder, lightning. I'm thinking blackout. And God, God is saying, when I come, you'll know. When I come, you'll know. And it will be more than I can even think and process because he's that big of a God. And we need to be prepared for that. We need to be prepared to encounter him and what he wants and what he's going to do. I just challenge you um, as you are praying this next um, two months for our speakers and for our, our word. The crossover is happening now. The crossover is happening for many of us in our daily encounters with the Lord. Um, and we are crossing over. We are crossing over to those things. But I can just promise you, and I feel just as prompt, I'm going to repeat it again. What he's going to do, he, you have never experienced. You have never experienced this. So it's going to be scary, and you might feel a little uncomfortable, and that's okay. But don't allow disobedience, pride, idolatry, or faithlessness get in your way. The door's not going to look the same. And that's okay. Be, be okay to walk through it. And trust the Lord. Trust that he's going to meet you there in every provision that you need. Some of you guys, I even felt this when I was praying. There's going to be new ministries that have never been here before. There's been new things that are going to launch out even outside of these walls. There's going to be people, um, you know, growing and developing in the church that, you know, you're like, ooh, I didn't know that happened. Or I didn't, where did that gift come from? Ooh, you know, and God's going to develop these things and he's going to build these things. And you don't see it now, uh, cause it's, 
not yet time. But when you see it, you will know. And so if you're feeling like the Lord is just pressing on your heart in this crossover to take out some things and to put in some things, then take this word very seriously. Because there'll never be a time like this again. Amen. That's what I have.